Dr. Hunter will refer to the Old and New Testament for his message entitled, Limits, When What We Have Is Enough. In the Old Testament, Dr. Hunter will use Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. And from the New Testament, Dr. Hunter has selected Matthew chapter 4, verses 4 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he then became hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city, and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. And now, let's join Dr. Hunter as he brings us today's message that he's entitled, Limits, When What We Have Is Enough. Good morning. Today the choir is going to lead us in worship as we give thanks to God for the gift that he gave us 2,000 years ago in his son, Jesus Christ. Hear these words from Luke 2. The angel of the Lord said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Please stand with me as we celebrate that day, that very first Christmas, the first Noel. The first Noel, the angel did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay, in fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. No.
got a nativity set for Christmas this year, and I've seen them year in and year out. And for some reason this year at my house, when it came in a box, I stared at it like now I'm responsible for the celebration of his love in my house and for my kids someday and for those that pass through my doors. It was almost like uh, we were compelled to worship him. And with that thought in mind, I have Revelations 19, 11, 12, and 13. After that, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse appeared. The one who was riding on it was called Faithful, Trustworthy, Loyal, Incorruptible, Steady and True, and he passes judgment and wages war in righteousness, holiness, justice, and uprightness. His eyes blaze like a flame of fire, and on his head are many kingly crowns. And he has a title name inscribed, which he alone knows or can understand. He's dressed in a robe dyed by dripping blood. And the title by which he is called is the Word of God.
Just as the angels proclaimed the good news of Jesus' birth that first Christmas day, the prophet Isaiah had foretold his coming and the purpose for which he would come. Jesus himself later spoke these same words. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Isn't it amazing that Jesus chose not to be born in splendor as a king should be, but instead chose to display his splendor through all those who would come to know him as their personal Lord and Savior. We too can rejoice as the angels did that Jesus was born. Would you please stand and join us as we sing, O Come All Ye Faithful.
We've just joined in the Heavenly Host celebration of the Incarnation of Christ. And it's right for us to do that. It's right for us to celebrate the Incarnation because Christ's eventual crucifixion and resurrection were the means of our salvation, our redemption. But there's another response that comes with realizing that God had to come to earth in the form of man. And that's realizing our own inadequacy and our own inability to accomplish our own salvation. See, Christ's coming is our failure, and it's evidence of that. And yet, um, through his coming, he has initiated the most inequitable, uneven trade um, that the world has ever seen. You see, the trade, the transaction is that we come to him with all that we have, with all our unworthiness, our inadequacy, with all our rags and our tatters. And we give that to him. And in exchange, he gives us his righteousness, his glory, his holiness. And so, as we celebrate, let's take a moment to pause, to spend some time in silent confession, silent prayer, and going to God and giving him our tatters and our rags, and allowing him to cleanse us and to clothe us with his righteousness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so beautiful. We thank you that you have come for us because we couldn't come to you. That you came down to earth because we couldn't ascend to heaven. We pray, Lord, that you would accept our tarnished offerings, our tattered selves. That you would take us and that you would mold us and make us the people that you want us to be that you would clothe us with your righteousness and your holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now having... All right. It wouldn't be Northland if there wasn't something strange that happened. Now that we've done this, now that we've confessed and received his righteousness... We can now celebrate, we can now rejoice as good Christian men because God's righteousness has been imputed to us. So let's rejoice.
thank the choir for... Uh, I'm the little guy here by the petunias or whatever these things are. <laughs> Where's the voice coming from? I want to thank the choir. Actually, it's on behalf of him, so... They're going to be doing this for six services, so there is no little dedication from them, and there is great uh, dedication and sacrifice on behalf of their families, and I really appreciate them for this. Also, uh, while we do the... uh, (laughs) We couldn't think of a slick way to do this, so there's just a little transition time here. When we get really big and slick, we'll have one of those revolving stages, you know? (laughs) The choir just goes back and... Goes to the playground, and here I am. What else was I going to say? Yeah, for those of you who didn't get in for the first announcements, I know that there are a number of you missing. For some reason, and I still haven't figured out how this happened, we omitted putting the Christmas Eve service times in the bulletin. I am sorry for that. We're going to have four services, 5, 7, 9, and 11. All right? Every odd hour, four we odd people. Uh, in the first two, there will be child care, and then um, it will diminish <laughs> for the others. I don't know how that goes, but if you have a question about that, I don't think there's any child care for the uh, 11 o'clock uh, midnight service, which is usually our adult service. And, and, uh, but if you've got questions, you can call the office, okay? Okay. I want to talk to you today about limitations. What an odd choice for a Christmas message. When I, when I speak to you of Christmas, <clears throat> when I speak to you of Christmas, <laughs> I thought all of this would go away when I got in my teenage years. It hadn't gone away yet. <laughs> when I speak to you of Christmas, use the old Charlton Heston voice. What do you think of as the ideal Christmas? As a matter of fact, when I suggest to your mind, John 10.10, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly, what does the word abundance bring to your mind? To most Christians living in this society and this day, Christmas, abundance, and all of the other concepts tied in with joy suggest to us the non-limitations in life. It suggests to us plenty. It it suggests to us freedom. It it suggests to us, uh, even in some sense, little excess here and there. But yet, that's not how God made the world. God started the world. We've got a buzz now. What is this? Is this not a good day to have a service? God started the world in limitation, with limitation. God started salvation with limitation. God started ministry with limitation. Let me show you how he did that. In Genesis 2.17, there is a limitation in the garden. He said, you can eat of any tree of the garden, except of the knowledge of good and evil. You may not eat of it, because in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Permanent limitation. I mean limitation from God. Only one, but a big one. Immovable. God started salvation with limitation. Matthew. I shall say, and behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. God started. Limitation. Little bitty limitation. 
God ended His ministry on earth. Limitation. Broken. God began ministry on earth in Matthew chapter 4. Limitation. Jesus went out into the wilderness. Fasted for 40 days. And then Satan came and said, Come on. You don't need it. You don't. You're the Son of God. If you're the Son of God, why would you be limited? But Jesus established something there that I want all of us to learn. He established this. We can go further through the limitations that God puts on our lives than with all of the freedoms that Satan offers. Don't ever, ever forget that. It doesn't seem like that, but it's true. You can go further with the limitations that God has given you than you ever can with all of the freedoms that He put into your life. Let's take a look at that area just for a second. God, in every great person He used, put a very obvious limitation. You ever, you ever done a, 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 a history of the biography of the Bible? Every outstanding person had an obvious limitation. I mean, you can just read it right through. And so, let's go back and take a look just for a second. Solzhenitsyn once said, the old proverb, he who um, dwells in the past loses one eye, but he who forgets the past loses both eyes. So let's not dwell there, but let's go there and just look for a while. If you take a look at Moses, for example, he had a speech impediment. And apparently God didn't remove the speech impediment. He had a complex about it, as a matter of fact. When God said, Come I want you to deliver the most important message to my, my people they've ever had. He said, well, you don't want me because i got a speech impediment. I'm slow of mouth. And God said, who made mouths? In other words, I, gave, I didn't make a mistake when I gave you the speech impediment. I didn't make a mistake when I chose you with a speech impediment. You go right down, you go, go to uh, David and Jeremiah. They were young when they were chosen. David didn't even know enough to put his application in for king when they were taking applications. Had to go out. He was out there doing his job. See? They had to go out and get him. The Lord came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, I'm just a youth. God said, don't say you're just a youth. I'm here, aren't I? Look, you just do what I told you to do. Look at Jonah. Jonah was a bigot. Flat out bigot. This isn't a moral limitation. This is an emotional, cultural limitation. He was a bigot. He didn't like those old Nineveh. He didn't want to preach to these people. He was a bigot. Go to the New Testament. You find, I mean, look at the disciples. Peter had almost no breaks. His limitation was that he didn't know any limitations. And Thomas had almost no faith. And And... Andrew had almost no ability to, to do anything. I mean, he just kept bringing people to Jesus that didn't want to tell him any answers. I mean, you go down the... Go, look at Mary and Martha. Mar- Martha had every mar- earmark of being a compulsive woman. Every earmark. And her sister Mary had every earmark of being the opposite extreme. All throughout the New Testament, you see people with limitations. My personal favorite is Zacchaeus. who was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. But he knew enough to get himself to the place where he could see Jesus. You see? In, In none of these limitations did God foil his plan. As a matter of fact, they had something to do with his plan many times. Now, we don't like limitations because we belong to 
the party of the circumvention. We don't like rules. You know, there are a people, I'm, I'm sorry, there are some people who love rules, okay? In the, in the New Testament, they, they refer to people who love rules as the party of the circumcision. You know, these are the Jews that got all the rules and they're obeying all the rules and they find great security in rules. And there are people like that. You may be a party of the, part of the party of the circumcision. You just say, give me a rule, I'll follow it. I, that's the way I don't have to think about it. But there are a number of us that if you put a rule on us, right away we want to see how we can get around it. We are the party of the circumvention. I, I, went, I was at a wrestling tournament yesterday and, and it, was, it was time for us. To, we just left in, in uh, mid-something or other and we were just walking out the door. And, and there was nobody else around in the hall. And we got about three feet from the door and there's this, there's this lady who... Who is that's her job to man that door. She said, wait, wait just a second there. We said, what? We're three feet from the door. Nobody. She said, if you got to pass, this is the ticket door. you got to go all the way around and, and go out that door down there. And I said, I'm standing with my family. I said, well, this is, we're just going out. We're not coming in. We're just going out. No, she said. She's knitting all this time. No, no, no. She says, this is the ticket door. This is not the pass door. You can't go out to this door. I said, this is a goofy, this is goofy. You, you don't understand what I'm saying. All we want to do is step out the door and go this way. If we go down there, we've got to go all the way around and come back past this door. I don't care. I don't make up the rules, she says. She's grinning the whole time. And I'm getting mad. The more she grins, the better I get. I said, and my kids are right by me. I said, Dad, just walk out the door. What's the deal here? I said, no. We either follow the rules or we change the rules. We don't break the rules. You know? No, sir. No, sir. So this lady get all oh, the, the, the fr- more frustrated I get, the more she grins. See? You know what? This, this is just an aside. But every once in a while, you, like, you, you get a person who, li- well, not every once in a while. Everybody loves authority. You know, get, just have at it here. Everybody needs to be the grand poopah of something or other. You know that? That's why we got so many secret societies of the mysterious order of the knights of the, you know, you know, because everybody needs to be the grand poopah of something or other. And there's this lady who's very obviously the grand poopah of the ticket door. See? Or feminine is probably poopette or something. I don't know. <laughs> Older person is gray poupon. No, 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 no. That's, 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 an, that's another thing. Never mind. But, you know, I got so frustrated this lady, and finally I just said, no, okay, let's go down the other door. And I was, I was feeling such outrage a half a mile down the road that I, I turned around, went back, and apologized to that lady for my manner and asked her for forgiveness. She is still smiling. Oh, that's all right. You know? Yeah, what do you do? Listen, another aside. If you run into the, somebody who's being the grand poopah or where they are, let them be it. It's okay. It's okay. It doesn't do you that much harm. It does them a lot of good. So you, you got to let that part go. What interested me was my reaction. See, being of the party of the circumvention, I don't like limitations. And I was furious that somebody would put a limitation that I didn't understand on my life. See, and I had to address that. Well, God wants you to believe this. God wants you to believe that if there's a limitation on your life that he has put there, even if it doesn't make any sense to you, You're going to get farther by following that limitation than you are spending all your time trying to think of how to get around it. You know that? Why? Well, it's just the way the world works. The more narrow the way, Jesus said, narrow is the way. 
the more narrow the way, the farther you go. When I was a kid, I think they had just invented squirt guns because they weren't very good. Most kids went down to Ben Franklin Five and Dime. Remember those stores, wooden wooden floors and everything? Went down to Five and Dime and got these squirt guns like, a, you know, Dick Tracy squirt gun or Billy the Kid squirt gun. And, and, and they had big old holes in them. And, and, the, and the squirt guns basically just spit about five feet. Didn't have much range. You know, you'd, you'd have to get right in somebody's face before you could. Before you could. But every kid in the neighborhood had one, and I didn't have one. And we didn't have money for one right away. We can tell poor stories someday. I love to sit around and tell poor stories. We were so poor. Well, my grandfather was a veterinarian, and he gave shots to cattle. Yeah. Now, in those days, a syringe was a syringe. I mean, none of these little plastic things here. You had the big steel things with the big tubes in them. He said, Joey, I'm going to get you a squirt gun here. So he, he cut he cut the the needle off one, and that I had the greatest squirt gun. Everybody else could only, they only had about a five-foot range. Man, I could hit somebody dead in the forehead at 25 feet. It was great. Of course, you only had a couple of shots, but you only needed a couple at 25 feet, right? Man, and so here's Dick Tracy, and here's Billy the Kid, and here's Cattle Syringe Man. I mean, it was great. You know what? God does the same thing with your life. You get irritated. You know, and another thing about that, just I get excited remembering. Every kid, when he ran out of water, had to run in the house and get that old clean water to squirt on people. I could go to any mud puddle in the neighborhood. <laughs> I didn't have to settle for clean water, boy. I could really Anyhow, I, I digress. The point is that it is God's limitations are meant to take us further than we could ever go with all of Satan's freedoms. And that's what the temptation in the wilderness is about. And that's how Jesus began his ministry. And that's how you will begin your ministry when you realize that. When you stop spending all your time getting irritated with the limitations of life, And you spend your time saying, but look at what I can do in spite of them or even because of them. That is important. Now, one more point. There comes a time in our lives when it's important to say, not only have I got these limitations from God, but watch this. I am going to voluntarily limit myself in this life for other people. 